Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. Sarah, welcome uh, to the show. And um, so thanks for having me. You're, you're welcome. So I, so you've done. You, you've obviously you've been coaching now for quite a while, right? How long have you been it's, coaching? Um, it's been actually two, a little bit more than two years now that okay. I, uh, yeah, that I've been coaching. So tell uh, tell the listeners about a bit about your background, and um, mm-hmm. obviously you've had a. Um, a path, and I think to have lived, I often say, um, is to have had pain. But you know, you've you've been through a lot for for uh, being as young as you are. So tell them a little bit about uh, your path and what got you to the point where your passion or your calling is to to help uh, people that have been in pain and to to see the other side of it. Okay, sure. Uh, well, my background and my story is uh, might be a little bit different because um, I I was born and raised in Iran, in uh, Tehran, which is the capital. Uh, it's a big city, crazy city, uh, very crowded, but I have very good and fond memories from my childhood. A very loving family. We had our ups and downs, but very loving family and uh, um, it's funny because I was really good at gymnastics and uh, English and literature, um, but I ended up studying medical laboratory science at university because um, I don't know if you know or not, um, like education is huge in Iran. Um, so my parents, like other Persian uh, parents, wanted and expected me to become either um, a doctor or a lawyer you know, or an engineer, right? So. Um, when my uh, gymnastic coach told my mom to send me to Russia uh, to become the second Nadia Komonetti, my mom just freaked out and she stopped taking me to classes. <laughs> no, go and, you know, study medicine or whatever. So anyways, uh, but I always loved, you know, um, physical education. I always loved English and literature, but then I ended up studying um, medical laboratory science. I worked actually as a as a lab technologist uh, for a few years in a lab in Iran. And, but you know what, it was like working with microscopes every day was not my personality, right? And um, I was a people person. I was uh, I'm much like my mom. Uh, I got her personality. She was very outgoing. She was very friendly. She was a people person. She was into um, self-help, self-development, all the psychology and stuff like that. And the, the older that I'm getting, actually, the more I realize that I'm getting, you know, uh, becoming more like my mom. So, which is very interesting. Um, anyway, so I got married in Iran and um, fast forward. Um, in 2007, uh, we landed uh, here in Canada because I had already, before I got married, I had already... Uh, life for immigration to Canada. Um, 
we landed here, but for the first few years, like until 2010, uh, we never, it was kind of like going back and forth, you know, like nothing serious. It was vacationing here because uh, my ex-husband never really wanted to stay here. He was a lawyer. Um, so when 2007, when we landed and we stayed here for a, like a month only, um, a nasty thing happened between us and um, I decided to separate. I decided to divorce him. Um, but again, it did you do that while you were in Canada or while you were back in Iran? So, no. So it happened that nasty thing. Basically, I caught him like talking on the phone with his secretary and, you know, a lot of a whole other world, you know, opened up for me in terms of like I was crushed and devastated and because he was my idol basically for uh, for a good seven years. And so the last three years in our marriage, it was lots of counseling and lots of arguments and stuff like that. And the more that I realized that I put that person uh, the priority in my life and I kind of ignored myself and my needs and my desires, you know, uh, and the more I started to speak up and the more we got into more arguments. So um, it was 2010 that I um, decided to, to uh, settle down here. So I came here by myself. Um, um, I told my ex that um, I filed for a divorce, right? So, but that year, 2010 uh, was the worst year of my life. I can say, I can tell you, Roxanne. It was it was very tough for me, and um, because at the same time that I filed for a divorce, um, and I already told my mom that I was that I filed for a divorce, um, and she supported me. She she always supported me, and she passed away in two weeks in Iran, oh. and I was here, and. Um, basically, three major heartbreaks in that year. Um, I got divorced, uh, I lost my mom, and I left my country and started living in a country which is totally different from my country. You know, uh, I didn't know anyone here, I didn't have any friends here, um, I didn't have any family. My sister um, lived in, used to live in uh, Vancouver back then. Um, it was pretty tough for me, you know, that year was the hardest year for me and both people that I counted on so much, uh, my ex and my, my mother, I lost both of them. And I had lost my dad when I was, um, 25. Um, he, he lost the battle to cancer and that was pretty tough too. So for me, that was a decision. To make, um, I made the choice and I made the decision to live here, and I made that tough decision based on the values that I have in my life, uh, which was not easy at all because I was totally out of my comfort zone. People here speak a different language, and uh, uh, everything is here. It's different, you know. Uh, the loneliness that uh, I was going through for the first good like couple of years. And it was really tough. So I started building my own circle of friends. And um, so the first few years for me was uh, exploring myself. And because 
experience and still a little bit, honestly, uh, the loss of identity. I did not who I was. I did not know what I was doing here because I knew that I would have been very, like, way more comfortable living back home. Um, so for me, it was all about exploring and figuring out who I was, right? Um, because now I was living in a country that I have all the freedom. And I didn't have to wear any hijab. I could go to salsa classes. I, um, you know, I, there was no one, no one there to tell me, oh, be home at that time or uh, cook for me or, you know, um, um, wear this or wear that. You know, I had the complete freedom and I was all by myself. So I did, I tried a lot of things. I tried um, all the self-development classes, the courses. I tried um, even skydiving. I tried, well, for a while actually I became very destructive to be honest. Um, I broke my, my left arm twice and um, it's just, I, I just tried to find myself and, and see who I was and what I really wanted to do here. And it's funny because um, I started teaching ESL English as a second language here. And that was at the time, that was my dream come true. Um, because there was always this, um, you know, uh, assumption that, oh, okay. So because people are native speakers here, who would hire you as, as an English teacher, you know? Um, so that was my dream come true. Um, and I love that. For a few years, I taught English. I love that. It was so much fun with, you know, fulfilling, rewarding with all the students and the kids that I had. Um, but after a while, um, to be honest, I was, I am still very conscious of my English. When I speak English, I, um, I don't want to make mistakes. Um, I don't like it when people ask me, oh, where is your accent from, you know? <laughs> or, and here I am as an English teacher, like ESL, English as a second language. Um, I loved it, but it was so draining for me. Like when I would feeding um, all my classes coming home, I was so drained because I had lots of lots of energy not to make any mistakes, you know? Oh, I don't want to mispronounce anything or as a teacher, right? So it was very draining. And again, after a few years, I realized that I wouldn't really get up being very excited. And I realized that I had changed a lot. Um, all the tough time and all the hardship made a different person out of me, I would say. And I realized that I wanted to do something more. I wanted to impact more people, especially women. And um, that's when I started searching. I didn't even know what I wanted to do, but I started searching and I ended up doing, um, getting my certificate in um, uh, life coaching um, from ICF, International Coach Federation. And um, this is basically my story, um, becoming a life coach. And then um, I, I shared my story in the book, in the best-selling book, Who's Gonna Stop Us Now? And that was, that was beautiful. So I realized um, a lot of clients came to me, you know, reading my story, losing my parents, going through the divorce, moving to a new country, and how I basically overcame all those struggles. 
a lot of clients came to me and they wanted me to help them with their heartache. And they wanted me to help them with their grief. They wanted me to help them with their um, losses, you know, with the loss of their loved ones, the loss of uh, their trust, the loss of um, identity. And to be honest, I did not have uh, the tools for that. You know, I did not, I didn't even know how I helped myself to be honest, but um, I realized that I needed to find out all the tools um, for these people uh, to move forward, to basically, uh, to heal their heartaches. And I didn't know how. So that's how I ended up again, finding Grief Recovery Method Institute. And um, I got my certificate, did my training. And that's funny because when I did my training, and um, I realized that how incomplete I was with my own loss and with my own grief. And I thought that I had dealt with that way before. So that was something new to me. I was like, oh my God. So in terms of grief, it's a huge, huge um, area that a lot of people don't know how to deal with their grief and their losses because there are lots of lots of misconceptions around grief. Like for example, when they say, oh, time heals heal anyone, you know, time, uh, you only get used to the pain, mm-hmm. uh, time doesn't really do anything, you know? Uh, but the actions that we do during the time can help us, you know, um, uh, get complete with our grief. So basically, this was a summary of how I ended up uh, here. Wow. So you, you went through it, and you got through it, and yeah. you, you, you kind of went from thing to thing and kind of mm-hmm. tried lots of different things. And like you said, sometimes you thought back and you thought, oh, boy, I shouldn't have maybe done that thing. Yeah. What you did is then you thought, okay, people are coming to me for guidance because I'm you know, an inspiration. How do I then teach them? from a space, but now to allow them um, more of a process to get right. through the grief. And, and I, you know, in my practice, uh, obviously over the years, um, I do work with trauma and um, I've worked with grief over the years as a psychotherapist. It's a, it's a tough process. And um, mm-hmm. having gone through loss myself, it's one thing to go through it. You know, I've, I've gone through a divorce, you know, eight years ago myself um, and, and recently had lost my uh, little sister. You know, and, and, you know, to one thing to be a professional um, that has dealt with patients for, you know, over 25 years um, or to coach people through it. But then when it's your own process, you know, gone are the theories and the literature and, you know, then it becomes real. And that's when it becomes like, okay, what am I going to do now? Like I've got to apply all the things that I know works, but it's like, you're so right. Time does not heal. It's how you process the stages and be able to kind of get through it. And I think a lot lot of times people, they avoid it completely and it becomes a thing separate from them that Mm -hmm. kind of keeps them stuck. Would you, would you agree with that? That Some of the people coming to you, that's what they do. Oh yeah, definitely. And um, you know, it's funny, like uh, you kind of uh, briefly mentioned that. So when everything happened to me, especially in the first couple of years that I was here and I was going through a lot, I, uh, nothing would make sense to me, you know, like, um, 
people were like, oh, everything happens for a reason, blah, 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 blah. So none of them really made sense to me, you know, and I was so angry. I had so much anger towards everyone and everything and even God, like, why me, you know? Um, But now everything makes perfect sense for me, you know? Now I'm like, okay, now I know why I went with this because now I can help other people. And all these people who come to me, all these grievers that come to me, um, they think that they are dealt with their grief. Um, but what they've done is they've just buried pain. They haven't really dealt with them, right? So they just buried the pain and um, they try to isolate themselves because this is another misconception or the myths we always say in, um, in grief recovery methods. We always say that there are lots of misconceptions and myths about grief, like um, everything is okay or be strong for people, be strong for your kids or, you know, um, for your parents. So we learn to, to just deal with that. We don't know how. It's right. just after, after a while, you just realize that you buried all the pain, you know? And every situation, like every um, occasion, every situation, every Mother's Day, Father's Day, or whatever that triggers that pain, it pops out, you know, and still you're like, oh my God, after all these years, you know, I don't really know how to deal with that, you know, and it, it holds actually a lot of people back in life from moving forward. And I think, you know what, like, I'll give you an example, you know, this morning um, on Facebook, my niece, who's in Australia, she posted a clip of my son and he was eight and I was in Europe and he was, um, he's tripled in size since then, I should tell you. And the little clip was saying, hi, mommy, you know, how's Europe? I love you. And I started to cry because not that, I mean, I've dealt with the pain of the separation, but just seeing that picture just for a split second, um, that was just when I was about to separate. It brought me up how small he was and it brought up the time for a second. You know, I, I was teary eyed for a bit and I, and then I kind of, you know, acknowledged it really you know it was that's real that pain was very very real that time was real and um i think a lot of times people think because they cry that means i've not processed the grief right you know so and i say no that just means you're acknowledging Mm -hmm. um, that space within yourself that needs to be honored and you can feel and you can function but a lot of people like you probably see they feel or they function and Lord help them. If they both come together and becomes a little bit of a volcano and they go, I can't do this again. So, um, you know, it's, 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 that's a good example. Just this morning that happened to me and it's, you know, timely that I was uh, going to talk to you to, today about that, because I think it's a normalizing of grief. Yes. You know, and the process and that people truly believe that they'll never feel again. Yeah, um, because they will, but they won't. They won't shut down. I think is the process. Would you agree with that? With the grief method that you're talking about? Yes, definitely. Like what we do um, in this method is that we do believe that grievers actually need to be heard and not fixed. And grievers are suffering from broken hearts, not a broken head, basically. Right. So. Everything that we have learned 
intellectually don't make sense for grievers, right? Um, so we want to heal their, their broken heart and um, we want to basically get complete with um, whatever that is emotionally uh, has been left uh, incomplete, you know? So we say that the recovery is when you can just move on in your life uh, have those fun memories, as you said, and still be okay with your feelings, you know, and get complete with whatever that has been, um, with whatever that has been unresolved, unresolved, and um, because, because basically grief and grief is the end of the uh, uh, end or the change of a pattern in a behavior. For example, when I lose my mom or when I uh, leave my country, it's end for the change of pattern in my life. You know, that person is not there for me to talk to anymore. Right. Or my friends are not there. I can't go if I'm sad or if I'm, you know, um, uh, I don't know, crying. I can't just go and knock the neighbor's door and say hi because it's an end or change of a, like a behavioral pattern in my, in my life. Um, so we have lots of hopes and dreams and expectations in every relationship. Um, most of our relationships, um, when we lose someone, uh, we end up having lots of unresolved issues and unresolved communication, right? So in grief recovery method, we say we need to learn, we need to learn actions that help, help us get complete um, with all those um, basically uncommunicated uh, or unresolved communication and issues. So those are the things that um, like we have to learn how to um, forgive, let's say, the person. We learn to how to um, apologize uh, from the person or we, we need to let go basically of the pain. We never say, oh, forget your past or forget the person or say goodbye to the person. But it's mostly um, let go of the pain, you know, say goodbye to the pain because you want to move on in your life. Right. And I, I, that's such a, you know, and, and when I, I think of loss, right, I, like most of the people that I've seen, whether it's an actual death or, or it's a divorce or it's a change of country, it's or a change of, you know, I had to move neighborhoods because I, you know, I sold my home or my kids have to change schools or mm -hmm. like, a, you know, even like you're talking about in grief, a lot of people are in loss or change. A lot of adults feel that they have to keep it all together because like, I can't look, they think like I'm falling apart in front of my kids. Yeah. And what in fact they do is they, they, the poor kid, little ones at different stages are experiencing things internally, but they look at you and you're just all put together and they're like, oh, okay, I have to get rid of this because look at my mom or look at my dad. They're not seeming to experience anything. So I think the transparency element, I'm sure you talk about in, in grief because a lot of people feel like when someone says, how are you doing? You're supposed to say, I'm okay. And in fact, if you're not okay, you can say, well, I'm figuring it out. I mean, you know, sometimes some days are good and some days I'm a bit of a mess. People are afraid to share that. Would you find that in your group a lot, that, that openness to, to share? I'm having a bad day. Yeah. It's, uh, let me tell you uh, actually a very um, interesting story. So I think we are all, <clears throat> and this is what we learned, that um, 
oh, don't show your feelings um, or be okay, right? So when I got, um, when I got the call, uh, that, you know, um, bad call uh, when my mom passed away in Iran, um, I was at work. And you can't imagine, Roxanne, how devastated I was. And me being Persian and usually Middle Eastern, we are very good with expressing our feelings, right? right? Yes. So I started crying and sobbing and I, I had just got to work. And um, the reaction that I actually got from my boss was very interesting or very surprising to me because um, if I had been in my country, it would have been very different. Like people would hug you, you know, they would let you cry, you know, so... Uh, she just pulled me in, in her office and she was like, oh, don't cry in front of people, don't cry in front of the students, it's okay. And uh, so she gave me like a, like a hug that it, it was, I don't know, it wasn't very friendly or whatever. Um, and that's it. And I just, it was such a different experience. So I learned that, oh, okay, Sarah, show that you're okay, right? And for, for a good two years, not, maybe not every single night, but a lot of nights, I cried myself to sleep. Mm -hmm. And in the morning, I put a big smile on my face and I went to work. And every single person, Sarah, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm great. But I was dying inside. No, I'm not fine. My mom is like, I can't pick up the phone and talk to her. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm financially having a problem. I'm emotionally having a problem. Where are all my supports? Where is my dad? Where is my husband? I don't even know who I am anymore, you know? So, and you're right. Like we learn not to actually express our feelings. We learn, um, say, oh, we're good and we're okay. And I think this is what's important to, it is important to educate people and let people know that it's okay not to be okay, basically. Right, yeah. to get give them the permission. And I, I often think that sometimes the teachers, I think of my son and being as a, um, one of my most powerful teachers, because here I am, I'm separating. Yes, my life is falling apart, but I still have to function, right? I still have to be a mom. I still have to run my business. I still have to run a home. And then, you know, after, and so what I did intuitively is I just surrounded myself, because unlike you, because I was not new, I surrounded myself with just the warmest, all the people that were in my life that loved me, uh, my family, my close girlfriends, their families, their kids, and we just got together. And it didn't make sense a lot of times, but I felt like, you know, I often say that um, those times are like I got through it with warm, fuzzy blankets of people that loved me. Um, and because at times I was like, I couldn't remember. Now I can't remember some of the times that, I, you know, the days involved in those uh, events. And what happens is like a lot of people hide to your points and they don't reach out so people don't know how much they need them more than ever. Um, and, and I think sometimes that's, that's a growth skill, right? To, to show the vulnerability that I, I'm functioning, but guess what? I don't know if it's Monday or Sunday. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just need you to help me out. And I think when you surround yourself with good people, and because you allow them to see who you are before you yeah. go into this, or even as you go into this, it allows them to give you or help you um, when you don't know what to ask for. Would you agree with that? Yeah.
Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit RoxanneDurhage.com slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne. Right. It, it's funny. Some of the like the two of the YouTube videos that I uploaded on my um, on my channel, uh, the most viewers were the the ones that I was talking about grief and what not to say and what to say to people who are grieving or someone who has lost uh, her loved one. And uh, people surprisingly they don't know they're like oh my god we always did this or for example when we say oh your mom oh uh, at least she lived her life or she's at a better place you know those are all intellectual comments you know i don't want to hear those things and and people don't know how to comfort you you know and or for example when you say oh i know how you feel no, you don't really know how I feel. Maybe you had a similar experience, but your relationship um, might have been very different. I, everyone has a unique relationship with their, uh, with their loved one and, or any situation. Like, for example, as you said, divorce. I, I can't talk about my experience and, I, and I, what I went through, but I can't really say, oh, I understand how you feel because your relationship must have been very different. And um, something that you mentioned that uh, surrounding yourself with good friends, it's very, very important. There is something in a grief recovery method that we always talk about. Uh, we call them STIRPs or uh, short-term energy uh, releasing um, uh, STIRPs. Yes. So short-term energy relievers. Sorry, short-term energy relievers. Okay, okay. Basically, those are the ones that and when we don't know how to deal with our emotions and we get into those stuff, for example, um, we don't know how to deal with our emotions, we start eating or over, or for example, alcohol or drugs. Yeah. For example, a lot of people become workaholic, you know, because they want to distract themselves, right? They want to get busy. And this is, the, this is basically the, a message that we get from the society and other people. Oh, why don't you go and sign up yourself and learn how to play the piano, for example? Or, oh, why don't you, you know, um, uh, I don't know, work harder or, you know, stay at work longer, you know, like get busy basically, right? And those are the ways that we just try to uh, release our energy, um, but we are not really dealing with the, with the heartbreak. Right. So the solution short term, not a bad idea, but it, mm -hmm. it can't be a replacement long term. So I often say to people, you're going to go over a bridge. You yeah. don't know what what tools you need to get over that bridge. You're going to you're going to pack up with what you need, but you still got to go over that bridge and, and know that there's going to be light on the other side of the bridge. Right. But I think you're right. if you think about our society today, Sarah, um, distraction, like, I mean, if you look at a lot of the opiate crisis, for instance, like people are so um, afraid of dealing with what they feel, right? That they're going to other means, right? It could be short term, but then it ends up being long term. There's nothing wrong with the long, the short term to be, you know, to, to, to kind of stay steady. But at some point you have to, I often say you got to go to the root of the dandelion. <laughs> if you don't go to the root of the dandelion, that, 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 that root's going to pop up somewhere else in another part of your life. And people go, 
Yeah, good point, right? But it takes working with you know yourself or someone like me sometimes because people in your life might be well-intentioned, but they don't know what to do with you sometimes. They try to support you, but they may not be able to be support yeah. you in a way that helps you to move on. That's very true. So I, I know you have a couple of things going on and I know people listening that must, you know, grief and when I say grief and loss, it could like you, you talk country. So if there's people coming to Canada for the first, I came to Canada when I was 16, right? Like talk, you know, like talk about, whoa, um, you know, so I was, a, uh, you know, basically young, but people coming in now that, you know, like every, and your language, I had English, right? Um, or even people going through separations or divorces or going through actual loss. Um, all those things are things that you deal with. So I know you have some programs that um, you offer. So I would love, and a retreat coming up in the fall, which I would love to hear more about. So why don't you tell people listening a bit about it and where they can get a hold of you um, so that they can connect if they wanted to work with you, Sarah? Sure, thank you. Um, yeah, I have a, actually um, um, a few programs. Um, I have my coaching programs, which I do one-on-one, -on -one, and uh, I have some classes, some courses, like uh, six-week courses. It's called Dare to be Bold. Uh, basically, people learn how to act courageously, how to be more confident, how to uh, face their fears, how to uh, change their mindset and change their limiting beliefs and how to say no and how to act courageously, right? Um, this is the, the, the course that I'm actually offering. Um, I do a lot of one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, I have different packages um, from six weeks to six months. Um, all the information is on the website. Uh, in terms of the grief recovery, um, I have actually, again, both one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Um, the one-on-one -on -one course is usually uh, seven, seven se sessions or seven weeks. And uh, uh, the group coaching or the group uh, grief recovery coaching is uh, eight weeks. And um, again, all the information is on the website. Uh, I have a retreat for the first time. I'm very actually excited about that because I realized that women love to do retreats. You know, I love traveling myself and exploring, uh, you know, all those new places, especially in Canada, beautiful places. But I realized that really women are so stressed and they just want to get away. They just want to, you know, um, just be together for a little bit, learn, have fun, you know, get quiet, do meditation, do yoga. So anyways, um, the retreat is called self-love uh, retreat. Uh, it's in fall. Again, um, the information is on the website. And um, yeah, people can find me on my website, www.sararahimi.ca or www.lifecoaching.com. I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, and yeah, those are all the information. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. This has been uh, wonderful um, that you could create such, you. such a jewel um, from some of the adversity that, that you've been through in your life and the strength that you gained, you know, um, going through such a dark spot. It obviously has given you a gift to be able to help others. So, so thank you for what you're doing out there in the world. And, um, you know, for me, I think of, um, you know, if we can just be ourselves and be authentic, regardless of what we're going through, what, what, a, what a gift we give to others when we can do that. 
And, uh, you know, with me, it's about living authentically and uh, being yourself. And you never know when something small like a hello or a warm hug um, or a gentle word to someone in a line before you might be something that's, that's all that's needed to be. Um, so never know, you may never know how you're leading um, in some way authentically by a small gesture. So continue to do that um, as often as you can. If you're wanting more information on me and um, my brand, uh, you can go to roxannedurhodge.com forward slash blueprint. That will give you the opportunity to get a free course on authentic relationships. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. So thanks again, Sarah. Take Thank care. Thank you, Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxannederhage.com slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxannederhage.com slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.